For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second hour of Clay and Buck starts now, everybody. Thanks for listening all across the country. To tweet or not to tweet? That is the question for, well, a lot of people. Former President Trump among them. It was announced on, was it uh, Saturday? I think it was. Saturday. That uh, Elon Musk has officially invited former President Trump back to Twitter which just brings back great memories for people like Clay and me, because I remember waking up. I think at one point Trump retweeted my account five times in a row, which was amazing because I saw all these C-list actors that I kind of vaguely remember from the 90s being like, whatever, like, you know, buck sexy man, like, you don't know anything, you're an idiot. I was like, wait, why are, why all of a sudden is... You know, henchman number three from Bloodsport 5 telling me that I'm a bad person. Oh, because Trump retweeted me. So that kind of stuff would happen. It was uh, it was always, and it would happen very early in the morning. So first thing, you'd be like, who did I upset? Who did I anger about this? He was, Buck, I've said this for a while. I had early morning sports talk radio, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. So I'm up at like 5.30 in the morning, East Coast, 4.30 in Central Time here. You know when you hit your, uh, like, Twitter feed? people you follow and then there's like nothing updating you know because everybody's gone to bed for the most part it would be like trump was the only person that early in the morning that would be posting new things and uh and so we oftentimes and a lot of times they had sports related connections we were reacting to it he was setting the agenda he was up so early in the morning before most of the media he he made twitter something that was a necessity if you were covering news and politics um, really globally, but certainly in America, you, you had no choice yes. but to at least have a familiarity with it because of former President Trump. It was never the case. Uh, you know, other politicians, you know, Obama was was on Twitter, but it was always very clear that other politicians use Twitter the, the as, as essentially a big email list for their public pronouncements, essentially their press releases in short form via Twitter with Trump. It was like you had attached a little microchip into his brain, into his phone, and boom, the American people got to have a direct connection 
to the candidate in 2015, 2016, and then the president for four years, which was remarkable. Um, but so there are huge implications to this and a, a lot of variables at play. For one thing, we know that Trump has Truth Social. I'm on Truth. Clay's on Truth, which is a nascent social media platform. Um, so it's it's growing. We've had uh, Devin Nunes on before, who's the CEO. But it, the whole point of truth really seemed one, it's free speech. Yes, that's true. And there are these others as well. There's Parler and there's Getter. There are a n- number of them. The problem is there's probably only going to end up being one. And everyone knows ulti- when I say only being one, there may be some need for those others in some capacity. But there's going to be one dominant platform and then some other platforms that are more niche. Friday, CBS News. This was hilarious. Did you see this, Clay? They oh, yeah. to give you a sense of how how powerful the Twitter platform already is right now in in this business and and in politics in America. They said they were halting their posting on Twitter out of caution because Elon Musk runs it now. Play clip two. In light of the uncertainty around Twitter and out of an abundance of caution, CBS News is pausing its activity on the social media site as it continues to monitor the platform. <gasps> Pausing so they can monitor the platform. Good heavens. We've gotten uh, word that um, Trump is back. Uh, who else? A bunch of people have gotten their platform. Project Veritas. Project Veritas. Uh, the Babylon, Babylon B, B is back. A number of them are back now. And now this also comes at a really interesting time for the social media platforms. And understand that these this has been an area of enormous advantage for Democrats that I think has very much affected elections. So that's a part of this as well. So even if you're not on, because I know very few of our people listening right now are really active on Twitter. I mean, by percentages, maybe 5% of this audience, roughly, I'm guessing, but something like that. But it affects every every website you read, every newspaper, every politician. They're all battling and, and, and you know, tweeting on a regular basis. Facebook is a fraction of what it used to be in terms of engagement utility and this is why the stock was stocked down 80 percent or something yes facebook's gotten crushed yeah some of it's for the metaverse stuff but it's just become unwieldy youtube is a left-wing collective that will not allow for free speech it's owned by google which is owned by alphabet tiktok i just saw senator tom cotton say over the weekend like it's basically a chinese spying operation get everybody you know off of tiktok i want to dig into that a little more that seems i, I don't know i want to know more of the details um, but this may be the only major social media platform in existence, Clay, where there is a true free and fair exchange of ideas going on, which makes it even more valuable and more central. What Elon Musk is doing right now is showing true bravery because, first of all, he put up a poll to allow people to vote on whether Trump should be re-allowed back on the platform and i don't 15 million people ish voted in that poll if i remember correctly and 52 percent voted yes 48 percent voted no and what i think is significant about that voting buck is remember 48 percent of people were not saying no uh i don't want donald trump back on twitter or I don't, sorry, I don't want him back as president or something. They were saying Donald Trump shouldn't be allowed to share his opinions on Twitter. And this is just something that I fundamentally reject. And I think it's so important for Elon Musk to be standing on the principle of free speech here. I'm not sure that Trump being back on Twitter, if he decides to reclaim his account, is going to be beneficial to him at all. 
In fact, I think it might benefit Democrats. But what can I, is beneficial? Can I just wait? wait can, we, yeah. can we put a pause on what is beneficial? Just because yeah. they're actually the, some of the some of them are saying who's I don't know who Rachel Bade is. Do you know Rachel Bade? I don't know. That she person. says Trump back on Twitter. This is clip three. Gift for He's Democrats. Got, uh, Eighty-three. Yeah. I mean, it keeps changing. Uh, million followers that have been restored on Twitter, on Truth Social, which is his own, and he owns the the platform. He's got a fraction of that. I mean, and, 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 and he truths or whatever they call it, and nobody hears it. That's exactly why I think a lot of people expect him back on Twitter. He loves the attention, right? And talk about a, a gift to Democrats. I mean. I remember covering Paul Ryan when Trump would tweet all the time from the White House and we would chase Paul Ryan around the halls and ask Republicans, comment on this controversial comment that Trump just made. And they would spend all their days trying to dodge all these questions. But for Democrats, it's great. They can hold that up to their voters and say, look at the Republican Party. We are the adults at the table. So they're saying they want him on Twitter. Yeah, which is why I think it's so fascinating as a general principle. I think as a as a uh, as a as a country that decides who our leaders are, we should want the leaders to speak as widely as they can to share with us both their personality and the principles upon which they would stand. So the idea that you can take even when he's the democratically elected president of the United States and just ban him on Twitter is something that that I reject out of hand. And I would say the same thing, which most Democrats would not. Even if Trump had been a Democrat or even if the Democrats somewhere down the line end up with a candidate who uses Twitter in a manner similar to Trump. And that would not stun me, by the way, if that ended up happening at some point in the future. I just don't know. I kind of agree with that commentator, Buck. I I think Trump. Here's my big concern about Trump in 2024. The election must be a referendum on Joe Biden's failures, particularly if Joe Biden is the candidate himself. But even if he is not, Democrats had control of the government and they failed on basically all fronts. I mean, Trump doesn't allow himself to be anything other than the story. And so I I, I think if Trump wins, Buck, it will be just like what we saw in 2016 and just like what we saw in 2020. All of us will be up all night long And they'll be counting ballots, unfortunately, in Nevada and Arizona and Georgia and everywhere else. And we won't know who won this election until we find out how 100,000 people's decisions were. I think think if 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 this turns on Biden's failures, we lose. Full stop. We went through this. They stink at everything, Clay. The economy stinks, inflation highest in 40 years, gas prices high, crime out of control, wide open border, teaching kids who were 10 that they should, you know, cut off their private parts because of the transgender agenda, like... We went through all of this, and what did people, they went in there and said, oh, I don't know, this Republican candidate seems a a little extreme to me, so I'm going to vote, you know, we went through this. I think the only way that the the failure of the Democrats thing works if we go into a brutal recession starting in the middle of next year, some people say we're already basically in the early phases of that recession, we go into a brutal recession, then the party in power gets punished and it doesn't even really matter. But if it's kind of this status quo, yeah, your 401k is down 20, 30%. Yeah, inflation's, you know, four, five percent. They want it to be one or two percent. You know, if it's that, it's gotta be a vision, man, right? Like it's gotta be, we're gonna yes. do a better job on the following you're, you're right. points. But what I'm saying is you sell they failed, and here's what we're gonna do different. I don't think Trump does that. And I would just point out, even though we're super disappointed. 
we went from the tally in 2020 showing Biden winning by 7 million votes to the tally on the midterms showing that we won by around 4 million votes is the number that I've seen most recently nationwide, right? So that's an 11 million vote swing in the direction of Republicans. Now, what's frustrating is it didn't translate uh, to a landslide red wave tsunami, but I think for most people out there, if if you had told them the data was, hey, we're going to get 4 million more votes, I think the challenge, one of the big challenges in 2024 is going to be COVID made red redder and blue bluer, so the number of places that are actually willing to shift, like Florida is in the camp for Republicans, right? Like, and, and Republicans are going to win it by maybe six, seven, eight points. It's not going to be remotely close. Cal, uh, you know, Texas is in the Republican camp, right? This election is going to come down to six states. We can already tell you. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. Those six states, I think, are the only ones that are actually in play. Maybe you can toss in New Hampshire, uh, if you have the right candidate, maybe you can make a seventh state in play up there. But by and large, this is a seven-state election. Who's the candidate that can win in four out of those seven states? I think that's a question Republicans have to ask yeah. themselves. And as we all know, I mean, two months feels like an eternity in a political election cycle. So two years, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, a lot. That's the other problem. A lot of what we're talking about. Now. You say, for example, my whole premise about about Biden running again is based on. You know, he's healthy enough, meaning that yeah, he can right. kind of walk around and shuffle and do what he if he can, if he can do what he currently does, he's running and, and he's going to be formidable because of the way the Democrats have built the system. But of course, he's at an age where, you know, God forbid, but he's in an age where real stuff, real stuff happens. By the way, Trump also is at an age where his health, you know, yes. and look, I saw him Friday. He's robust. He's fired up. He's way ready better for the shape fight. than Biden. Right, he's in much better shape than Biden, but I'm just saying, you know, look, we're talking about a few year, a couple of years out here, and and a, and a lot can change. And I just think that, you know, one of the great, one of the huge advantages the Democrats had is that the economy. Everyone I talk to says, "Who knows the economy?" Right? I had dinner with a dinner with a friend last night down here in Miami who who knows macroeconomic cycles and has made a lot of money because he predicts them correctly. And he's like, "Next year is going to be brutal economically." Yes. Now, if that had happened. In summer, fall of 2022, in a different. So I just think there's all these, you know, external externalities or these additional factors that will come into it. Twitter, though, to get us back to the, the very beginnings of this, it's tough to know whether Twitter, whether Trump on Twitter overall helps him, helps the Republicans, or helps the Democrats more on a net basis because it's a lot, a lot of a lot of ups and downs of it, right? I mean, yes. they, when when they're gleeful, when Democrats are gleeful about the prospect of constantly talking about Trump's tweets, that should be some kind of a sign. Uh, but by the same token, without that, they're able to set the narrative. This is the part that I think we forget. Without that, they were able to set the narrative a lot more going into this election because they just have so many more artillery pieces, so to speak, on the battlefield of information warfare than we do. So that, you know, it's it's tough to... Tough to gauge this, I think, in a lot of ways. I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. By the way, you think he goes on? Now, since you like predictions, I, I just think it's hard for him not to. I think so, too. Right. If you I, like I think there's no way he can avoid it. If you like attention and you knew that 85 million people are going to react to every single word that you put out there, I just I think it's hard for him not. Elon Musk put up a couple of funny memes 
of Trump, like trying to resist uh, resist Twitter. And I, I just think it's so and I saw even Donald Trump Jr. retweeted one of them. I just think it's so tantalizing to him that ultimately he won't be able By to. By the way, I, I, saw, I saw Don Jr. Friday as well, talked to him for a while. Not even the least bit phased. I mean, this is once once you've been in that in that role, once you've been a member of the Trump family for the first administration, you're ready for the fight, whatever the fight is. Pretty amazing. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, I want to tell you about the chairs that Buck and myself often are sitting in uh, in our home offices as we are working, preparing for the show. It's the X chair. It's the best possible chair out there. It's the chair that I sit in while I do my writing, while I'm writing on this new book, all written from the X chair. You know, it's got heating. It's got cooling. It's got massaging. How much better would your life be if you felt better at the end of the day when you stood up at your desk, when you stood up at the chair that you've been working in than you did when you sat down in the first place? That's the goal with the X chair. And right now, you can get one for only $20 a month. You know, Black Friday is coming up on Friday. There's probably a lot of people in your family it's not that easy to shop for. Well, how about going out and getting them a chair they'd be able to use every single day. You can check out all the options and their amazing financing plans at xchairclay.com. That's the letter X, chair, clay, my name, C-L-A-Y.com. No other chair can compare to X chair. Go to xchairclay.com. One more time, xchairclay.com today. Easy to find, easy to define. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, speaking the truth three hours every day. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, giving you a little heads up of where we're headed. Uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, Congresswoman from Colorado, re-elected, going to be with us in about, uh, what, seven or eight minutes. Also, in the third hour of the program, both Buck and me are obsessed Obsessed with this Idaho murder. Four college kids brutally slain. They can't figure out who is to blame. Uh, we will get an update from Nancy Grace, who is all in, as you well can imagine, on this story. Um, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more if you're not familiar with it in the third hour before we discuss it with Nancy Grace. But we were talking in the last segment, Buck, about... Elon Musk and Twitter, I would give him an I wouldn't give him an A plus because I don't like the selling of the blue checks because it's made Twitter a little bit harder for me personally, and I know we've talked about this with you, just to use like in terms of being able to see what like if I want to see something that you've tweeted that you tagged me in, sometimes it's hard to keep up. You put up a picture of, of you and your fiance and me and my wife. I didn't see it for like two days um until somebody else tagged it. So it's not as easy to use, but I would give him an A on an A-plus scale so far in what he's done. It's amazing to watch all these journos who majored in communications, gender studies, and <laughs> you know other yes. entirely irrelevant disciplines lecturing the literal richest man in the world about how to run a company. They're like, it's going to shut down. Oh, my gosh. I'm literally shaking right now. No, he's just getting rid of all the, like, diversity and inclusion czar dead weight from the company. Like, he's just saying we don't need any of this stuff. And you know what? He's right. I have a feeling he knows how to build a company. This week, you're getting access to a special Tuttle Twins Black Friday deal. It's a set of books you're going to love and want to share and read with the kids in your life. These books are a must-have for every American home. The deal they're offering this week is the biggest they've ever done. They have a bundle that includes all the children's books, activity books, audiobooks, guidebooks, and parent guides, all for 75% off the normal price. Plus, there's a mega bundle that includes all their other book bundles, too. It has the teen, toddler, and history bundles. They make the perfect gift for all the kids in your life. Give a gift that will make a real difference in the paths they take and the knowledge they will benefit from. If your kids love reading, these books will become a welcome addition. If your kids need encouragement to read, these books will help bring them into it. Go to TuttleRadio.com to access this special deal. That's TuttleRadio.com for a whopping 75% off both of these bundles. A great gift for the holidays, TuttleRadio.com. Welcome back to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. You, you have likely seen, if you've been following some of the news from over the weekend, the story of this um, horrific shooting in Colorado Springs at a nightclub, an LGBTQ nightclub. Uh, I, I believe uh, five people were killed. And immediately... And this is just what we we see now in these incidents. Instead of even allowing for a day of just grieving as a nation for a horrific, uh, violent event like this, and 
a serious look at anything that could be done from a security perspective. How could these things be uh, likely uh, averted or minimized in the future? What is possible to do? And, and sometimes those conversations can be very unsatisfying in the sense that there is evil in this world and there will be people who choose to do evil regardless of what the laws may be, regardless of what law enforcement programs are in place. Sometimes there is an idea to, to address it and sometimes there is uh, there is not much that comes from it. But instead, it immediately it immediately turns into a a point scoring political exercise for many pundits, for many people in the news. And it's gross. And the way that they do this now is something called uh, stochastic terrorism, they'll call it. Stochastic, just so you know, you'll see this popping up and people who want to appear smarter than they are in the media will throw this term around. Stochastic comes from stochasticity, which is a term from statistics. And it's effectively random probability distribution. So if you look at a at a petri dish with uh, with bacteria in it, where will they go first and how fast will they grow? Mathematically you can't really tell, so you'll say, well there's a random probability distribution at work. Now, I'm not a stats guy, but that's a very layperson view of what stochasticity is. But when they say stochastic terrorism, what they're talking about is uh using a form of emotional blackmail against people. They'll say, well, this event that happened, okay, the Nancy, let, let's take it away from the horrific event of Colorado Springs. Let's look at the Nancy Pelosi's husband attack situation. People were saying that was, you know, whether it was politicians, people in the media, that was stochastic terrorism. Because the, they say, well, what exactly was the inciting moment? What connection is there to anybody on on the mainstream right or how why did this happen in this way at this time well there's no actual connection to anybody in the republican party or anybody that you know incited this specific act and so they say well it's just an environment it's just a general uh uh sensibility out there that you are responsible for if you're a republican if you're a conservative but that this environment created this instance of stochastic terrorism it removes any sense of causality, and it's just a means of saying, Clay, your side, I'm going to hold your side responsible for this, right? I'm going to hold your people responsible for this, and uh, we, we have to see this for what it is. I mean, it, it, when there are incidents, here's a perfect example. When a Bernie Sanders supporter named James Hodgkinson takes a, a rifle and tries to murder, shoot Steve Scalise, tries to murder Senator Rand Paul, tries to kill as many conservative members of Congress as possible. The stochastic terrorism narrative would be every Democrat, every Democrat is responsible for creating that environment, encouraging that. They should all be asked to condemn it. If they don't condemn it enough, you have to ask if they sympathize with it. That's what the stochastic terrorism narrative is. Of course, that never applies to Democrats. It only applies to any time it can be set at the feet of the right in some way. And this is uh, yet again over the weekend. You see this somehow every, you know, every conservative is responsible in the eyes of the left through stochastic terrorism for this horrific mass shooting that occurs in Colorado Springs. This there's there's no basis in rationality, reality, and causality for this, 
but it's emotionally very effective for people. Look, I think we need to all do regularly, and this is what I would hope would happen in 2024. Maybe it's too optimistic. We need like a national probability and statistics expert because I believe you were one of the first people I saw and then uh, saying this buck and then I went and looked into it and I said this is fascinating. If we eliminated every mass shooting as it is defined in America today, 99% of murders would still be occurring in this country. So the question that I have for everyone out there and and I think it's a really good one. And I think this is an example of where the media is failing. The media shows up every time there's a mass shooting and covers it as if it is the overarching problem that exists in America today. Everybody out there listening wishes nobody got murdered, right? Everybody is anti-death when it comes to people dying uh, uh, from violent means. All right. What makes more sense? To constantly show up when there's a mass shooting and pretend that it's representative of violence in America or every weekend in Chicago or Philadelphia or Atlanta or New York City sometimes, certainly Houston, many different big cities out there that have been seeing skyrocketing rates of murder that almost entirely get ignored. What would be a more accurate representation of covering violence in America and the dangers to Americans? Would it be showing up at a mass shooting site and arguing, oh, Republicans are responsible for all of this, or recognizing that the reality is mass shootings, uh, mass murders are occurring in all of our cities every day, and the number one way to reduce murders, remember, if we did away with every mass shooting in America, 99% of them would still be occurring. This is my issue, Buck, with... It's so frustrating to me the way that police misconduct gets covered. As if we eliminated, I wish we could, every single issue of police misconduct in America. You know what would happen to the actual murder rate? It would not even be noticeably different, right? Because we focused on these arbitrary and not representative outlier issues, and we missed the larger substance of it. Black Lives Matter is a great example, Buck. They all rush out in the streets to protest Really, Black Lives Matter needs the parenthetical added to it. Black Lives Matter when white people are involved in any way with a black life ending. But when a black life is taken by another black life, which is 94% or 93% of all black murders, gets almost no attention or coverage at all. It's a failure of reality, a failure of truth in favor of narrative. And that's what we see every single time with these shootings. And it's, there's also something that is really ugly and i would even argue socially destabilizing about the mainstreaming of a narrative which is what is going on on a regular basis now that if you don't for example go joe biden what does he talk about right away what what is joe biden's first thing as soon as this attack happens before we've even gotten into uh the the motives or 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 the investigation Biden says, while no motive in this attack is yet clear, we know that the LGBTQ community has been subjected to horrific hate violence in recent years and also goes on to talk about a uh, banning of assault assault rifles. Right. This is the the conversation. But what the left does, what the Democrat Party does is convince itself, convince its supporters that the people who don't want to go along with the politicized prescription in the aftermath of this that wouldn't have stopped this, that wouldn't... 
they're actually part of the evil here, too. There's a demonization of half the country that occurs very regularly in the aftermath of of incidents like this. And and it has to fit a a very specific narrative, a group that the left identifies as one of its protected groups and that is generally targeted. So a group that is that is often victimized in in hate crimes or through oppression, whatever uh, the framework may be for it. And then it's do what we say politically after this or you're part of the problem. Right. And and this is deeply intellectually and I would also argue uh, morally uh, disingenuous and, and wrong. And this is what ends up this is what ends up happening, unfortunately, after every time there's a an incident like this. Yeah. I, and and we have to keep calling it out, unfortunately, because it keeps happening so much. Uh, we're scheduled, we're scheduled to talk with Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman. We'll see if we get her on. Nancy Grace scheduled to join us in the third hour. We come back. Buck used to coach uh, high school soccer. I put up a poll about how many people care about the World Cup, which actually starts in 15 minutes. What is going to happen over in Qatar? And there's actually a pretty incredible thing that's already occurred what Iranians were willing to do to stand up to their country, the soccer players. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, you see the study the other day, 50% of testosterone level in men has collapsed over the last 50 years. If you wonder whether the Biden White House, the men there, have the lowest levels of testosterone of any leadership we've ever seen, I think the answer is yes. There is zero doubt that the Biden White House is the least testosterone-filled White House for the men, for the men in the history of our country. And uh, that certainly has not led to them doing a good job at all, which is why I'd like to go ahead and send some testosterone to them. I'd like for Chalk to hook them up, give them some energy, vitality, some vim, some vigor to be able to get through their days. Think can make a big difference. He's Buck Sexton. He's Clay Travis. Together, they're breathing sanity into an insane world. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, the Travis Buck Sexton Show. Want to let you know you need a little bit of testosterone in your life like the Biden White House does. Make sure that you get hooked up by going to my friends at chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Those four letters with a Q, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Clay, when you visit the site and you get 35% off for life on any chalk subscription you choose. You can cancel anytime. But why would you when you're feeling this good and helping to make sure that you've taken care of your own testosterone deficit? We need it in the White House. We need it everywhere. Chalk.com. C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Clay. 35% off for life. Buck, the World Cup will start in like 10 minutes, I believe, for the U.S. Before you talk about the World Cup, can I just, I have a correction. I needed some chalk today to increase my focus and my, my energy as I was talking. It is stochastic not stochastic, stochastic terrorism. But this is one of these moments where I like to learn about things by reading. So I'm, I've been reading about this all the time. I've actually never heard the word said. I've only read it yeah. hundreds and hundreds of times. So this is one of those. You, and I, you, Clay knows I, you would this. be driven insane given how many words I mispronounce. If you if you mispronounce as many words as me, you wouldn't I, be able to I, sleep at night. I hate getting things wrong, and I hate saying things wrong. So anyway, I just want to correct that. Now we can talk about stochastic. By the way, stochastic terrorism, you might say, well, I was in the counterterrorism center of the CIA. You know how many times I heard about that? Zero. It is a new thing that they've taken from statistics that they now talk about in the context of terrorism. But yes, it is a hard a hard C. And now, Clay, sorry, thank you for letting me correct that. And also, uh, obviously, I could use some chalk, chalk.com, chalk.com today. The World Cup, sir, what do we got? So the World Cup starts in about 10 minutes. Uh, U.S. is playing Wales. Um, and uh, we are small favorite in this game. Our, our group, for people out there who, who may not be paying attention, is Iran, it is Wales, it is England, and the United States. So we play England, I believe, on Friday. And then Wales, uh, sorry, Iran to finish out the group stage. Two of the four teams will advance from the group. The Iranian team, Buck, I don't know if you saw this, they refused to sing along with the national anthem of Iran, which is evidently a huge tradition in their country. Every player refused to sing to stand up for the people protesting against the Iranian government. Now, this is actual real bravery, unlike what we often refer to in the United States when somebody takes a knee for the national anthem and they end up getting a shoe contract or their own television show. Like this is potentially a something that could put some of these players in prison. It could lead to violent acts against them or their family. This is a pretty brave act. So uh, I think this is going to turn into a big story internationally. 
but I asked people out there uh, how they thought the U.S. would do in the World Cup, and I also said I gave people an option. I don't care. I hate soccer. This was a Twitter poll. What percentage of my audience, Buck, in this poll do you think said, I don't care, I hate soccer? Of your audience? Yes. Of extremely enthusiastic SEC football fans? 60% of them hate soccer? 37% said they don't care, they hate soccer. Oh, so that's, about not that that's, that's yeah, not that bad. That's not that bad. About two-thirds said they care. What percentage of our audience listening right now do you think will watch a World Cup game involving the United States men's team? Of ten percent, only ten. I think so. Yeah. See, I would go because Friday the game is happening on a holiday when a lot of people are at home looking for things to do. I actually think something like half of our audience will watch one of these games. I mean, I would like to watch the U.S. play England just because the British are better than us at two things: soccer and making crumpets. And uh, this will upset them if we are able to beat them. So that makes me very happy. Uh, but we I'm probably won't beat them, which is the bad thing. See, this is the other part of it. I want to root. I'm always rooting for America. But it's hard to root you, for America in soccer because we tend to do not well. As The men's team tends to not do well. We talked about this before the show started. You are watching with your brothers, and so you are going to try to avoid completely what the results are of this game until later in the afternoon. Even. Yeah, but I mean, beating beating Wales like isn't that kind of like beating the Principality of Monaco or something? I mean, let's be serious, folks. I mean, is we're Wales even a, really a country? I, only, I know it is. Don't <laughs> people be like, yes, it is. I mean, kind we're of only is. a small favorite. So I'm going to have this game on. I'm going to try not to react for the first half because the first half is being played in the final hour of uh, of our game. And I just, I can't not watch sports live. I've tried to DVR it, everything else. My phone blows up. People are texting me because they assume that I watch every sporting event. So I basically would just have to turn my phone off and not allow myself to watch it at all. So it's starting in about five minutes. And, uh, and I'm curious yeah, how it's going to go. To your point, though, on the Iranian, on the Iranian team, not be, be taking a stand because of the crackdown on the protest that's been going on over there and and the look I, I, Iran is a is a totalitarian theocracy i mean it's the government there is is evil and depressive and that is all very true uh but when they do that they don't get a bigger nike contract they no take doubt. a risk they are actually going to suffer the consequences of standing up for what they view as moral in this country when we have athletes that are taking a knee or that are so upset about the cops and they're wearing the hoodies or whatever they're doing, their marketability goes up. That's right. They get nothing but celebrities saying, look at how brave, stunning and brave they are. So it's a very different thing. Being a freedom fighter against the Iranian regime as an Iranian, that takes guts. A lot of guts. I've argued for a while, because this has been a big topic associated with sports, that true bravery requires at least one of two things. The risk of your life and well-being, and or the rest, the the risk of your liberty. In the United States, Colin Kaepernick made far more money by taking a knee than he would have by simply continuing to be a quarterback in the NFL. So the reward structure actually is the opposite of bravery. If you make more money to do something, that's fine. You might still be speaking truth to power, but not very often. In Iran, they're risking true life and liberty. That is bravery. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 